Amen, God, we thank You for Your goodness, for Your faithfulness to us, great God, that You never leave us or forsake us. And we pray now as we come together around Your Word, Lord, Your Word which speaks words of hope and life, Lord, words of assurance to our lives. We open our hearts to You now and we pray You speak to us by Your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' Name. Amen, amen. Well, I want to add my welcome to you as well. It's so great to be sharing with you wherever you are, wherever you're linking in with us today. My name's Nathan. I'm the senior pastor here at Bridgman Baptist Church. And no matter what your story has been so far or where you are on the journey of faith, you are welcome here at Bridgman. And we are so glad that you're sharing with us today. As you've already heard, we're continuing to do community together through this time, looking after and caring for one another and reaching out to our community as well. And later in my message, I'll be sharing some more about how we are seeking to do this during this season. Today, we're finishing our series in Galatians, and we're actually up to Galatians chapter 6, and so we're going to be looking at that in just a moment together. In June of 2006, Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest people in the world, announced that he was going to donate 85% of his $44 billion fortune to five charitable foundations, an unprecedented act of generosity. In response to the questions that he received about this act of generosity, Warren Buffett said these words. He says, there's more than one way to get to heaven, but this is a great way, is what he said. Well, as incredibly kind and generous as that act was, and as much as the Bible instructs us to care for those in need and to give generously to others, we have been seeing so clearly through the book of Galatians that our good deeds don't get us to heaven. Our good works don't save us. We've been hearing the truth that eternal life is not achieved, but it is something that is received. Salvation is a free gift of God's grace. It's only through placing our faith and trust in Jesus and what he has done for us on the cross that we can receive eternal life. And if you remember back to week one of our series, a while back now, six weeks ago, but if you remember back, we talked about the, the truth that the order of salvation is really important. It's not that I live a good life, therefore God loves me. It's understanding that God loves me, therefore I am able to live a good life and bless others. And it's only once we've experienced God's powerful love and his grace and forgiveness in our own lives that we are then able to live in radical obedience to him and to give our lives to serve and to love others with radical abandon, just as God has done for us. I read recently about Sir David McNee, who once headed the famed London Metropolitan Police Force. And on one particular occasion, he was addressing the heads of the Canadian Police Service. And to lighten the mood, he parodied how tough the examination questions are to get in to the London Metropolitan Police Force. And he explained one of the questions on the exam goes like this. The question is, if you're on patrol when an explosion occurs on the next street, and upon investigation, you find a large hole and an overturned van lying nearby. Inside the van, there is a strong smell of alcohol, and both occupants, a man and a woman, are injured. You know he is an unlicensed driver, and his passenger is the wife of your inspector. The motorist stops to offer assistance, and you recognize him as a felon wanted for armed robbery. Suddenly, another man runs out of a nearby house, shouting that his wife is expecting a baby and that the shock of the explosion has brought the birth imminent. 
At that moment, you hear someone crying for help. Having been blown into an adjacent canal by the explosion, he cannot swim. Describe in a few words what you would do. Well, so David reported that one of his brightest students, after giving considerable thought to this situation, put pen to paper and he wrote, remove uniform and mingle with the crowd. A very clever answer to that predicament. But often in times of crisis, we might feel like we want to do just that. Remove uniform, mingle with the crowd. But as we're going to see from our passage this morning, our call as his church, as followers of Jesus, is to do just the opposite to that. In fact, in these times, it is to step in, in confidence and in faith in Jesus caring for those who are vulnerable, those who are in need, sharing the message of faith, love and hope with a world that is overcome with fear and uncertainty. So let me read God's word for us this morning. Galatians chapter six, I'm reading from verse seven. It says this, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. But whoever sows to please the spirit From the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is God's word to us this morning. When you're at school, at high school, you would have learned about, in science class at least, you would have learned about some of the laws of this universe, the laws of physics. One of those laws or principles you would have learned about is Archimedes' principle. Archimedes was a Greek mathematician who lived in the third century BC, and he explained why things sink and why things float, why a rock sinks and why a massive ship can float on the ocean. He discovered a law or a principle which is true every single time. And that principle, Archimedes' principle states this, that when a body is partially or totally immersed in a fluid, it experiences an upward thrust equal to the weight of the fluid displaced by it. I'm sure you all remembered that from high school. Here's another one, Newton's law of gravitation. Legend has it that Sir Isaac Newton was sitting on his family property under an apple tree when he saw an apple falling to the ground, it prompted him to think about this mysterious force that pulls objects to the ground. And from this, he developed his theory of gravity, that objects attract each other with a force directly proportional to the product of the masses of the objects and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between them. The good news is there is no test today, okay? So don't worry about that. You'll be glad to know that. But there are many laws of physics, laws of the universe that just are. It's the way God created the universe to operate. And these laws apply to all of us, no matter what our story has been, no matter where we were born, what our faith beliefs are, these are just absolute principles that apply to every one of us at all times. And here Paul mentions another principle or law that is always true, always applies to all of us. This is not a Christian principle. This is just a general principle of life. And that is this. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. That people reap what we sow. That we reap what we sow in our lives. 
Now, I have no farming experience at all. I'm definitely not a green thumb, that's for sure. But I know that if a farmer sows wheat seed, he will harvest a wheat crop. He's not going to get strawberries. He's not going to get carrots or tomatoes or anything else. If he sows wheat, he will get wheat. If he sows barley, he will reap barley. He will have a harvest of barley. And not only that, I know that if a farmer sows sparingly just a few seeds in a small section of the field, he'll only harvest a small crop. And on the reverse of that, if he sows plentifully, then he can expect a plentiful harvest from those seeds that he has planted. This is the law of nature. You reap what you sow. And what is true of agriculture and what is true of nature is also true for us in our own life journey, in the moral and the spiritual realm. Some time back, I came across the incredible story of Michael Cornelius Anderson. He was arrested in 1999 for armed robbery, and he was then sentenced to 13 years jail. He posted bail, and then he waited to be taken to jail. The only problem was that no one ever came to take him to jail. 13 years passed, and Anderson joined a church. He started a small business, got married, had children, never left the the St. Louis area in which he lived. He lived a quiet life until one day in 2013, a SWAT team blocked off his street, knocked on his door, arrived with shields and helmets and machine guns to arrest him and take him to jail. Anderson's original lawyer, like almost everyone else, just assumed that Anderson had gone to jail and they realised due to a clerical error that he had never been picked up and taken to be put in jail. An amazing story, but it highlights a point that Paul is making here about this principle when he says in verse 7, he says, do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. That is, as much as we might try to avoid or ignore it, or live as though it's not true, this principle's not true, all of us eventually reap what we sow. Sins will come home to roost. The consequences of our actions and decisions cannot be held off. God cannot be mocked. We can't be deceived. This doesn't mean that God is a vengeful God sitting in heaven looking to avenge any slights or insults. The image of sowing and reaping is actually that this is a process of, a much more natural process of of moral consequences. It's much more organic than that we see here. And the whole book of Proverbs highlights this truth as well. And the reality is, is that the life decisions, the actions and choices we make now will have an impact on our future. And not just on our future, but the future of our children and the generations after that. The principle says, that these actions and choices we make today will determine the legacy that we leave for others. And Paul says when it comes to our lives in the spiritual realm, there are two ways in which we can sow. He says we can either sow in the spirit or in the flesh. We can either sow in the flesh, he says first, or we can sow in the spirit. And the picture that Paul gives us here is of a field or or a property with two fields and we can choose which of the two fields that we can sow into. Or for us here today, two pots that you can sow into. So firstly, what does Paul mean when he says sowing in the flesh? Well, we've already seen in Galatians that when Paul talks about the flesh, he is talking about our sinful nature. So sowing to the flesh means living to please ourselves 
living to please our sinful nature. And in Galatians 5, the chapter before, Paul gives us a list of examples of what it actually means to sow in the flesh. He gives example of things like envy. He says that's what sowing in the flesh is. Things like impurity. That's what it looks like to sow in the flesh, he says in Galatians 5. Selfish ambition is another one. Sowing in anger, he says, is another example of what it means to sow in the flesh. And on the other hand, there is sowing in the spirit. And as we've already seen in this series, sowing in the spirit or walking in the spirit is actually talking about, firstly, trusting in Christ for our salvation, not our own efforts, not our own works, receiving God's spirit for eternal life. That's first of all. And secondly, it means to now live by faith through the power of the Holy Spirit, not doing life in our own strength, not doing life in our own effort or for ourselves, but living for God and others through the power of the Holy Spirit. And again, in Galatians chapter five, Paul lists some examples of what it means to sow in the Spirit. He says things like sowing in love, sowing in joy, he says, is another example of sowing in the Spirit. Living in peace is another one. Patience is another example of what it means to sow in the Spirit. And we know that how we sow and where we sow determines what the harvest is, what it's going to look like for us in the future. And Paul tells us here that sowing in the flesh actually leads to destruction. It actually leads to death is what Paul tells us. Whereas on the other hand, sowing the Spirit actually leads to life. And these are the two options depending on how we sow in this life. One leads to death, to destruction, the other leads to life. And I think I know what it is that we all want to sow too. I think I know what it is, the harvest that we all long for in our lives. We long for life and healing and hope. That's what we long for in our lives. And Paul says then in verse nine, he says, let's not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And the other key truth of this principle of sowing and reaping is that there is always a waiting time between when we sow and when the harvest comes. And this is the hardest part because we like instant results, don't we? We want to plant today and see the results of that seed being sown tomorrow. That's what we want. We tend to think in very short timelines like days, weeks, months, but God tends to think in terms of much longer times like decades and years and even hundreds of years and millennia is how God thinks. And so Paul, knowing this now, says don't give up. Whatever you do, he says you're gonna be tempted to stop sowing in faith because you're not yet seeing the results. He says, but when, you, when that happens, don't give up. Keep sowing in the Spirit. The harvest is coming, he says. It's guaranteed the harvest is going to come. Last year, I came across the incredible true story of a missionary couple from Sweden. Their names were David and Sevilla Flood. They went with their two-year-old son to the Congo right in the heart of Africa. And they met up with another missionary couple and the four of them decided to take the good news of the gospel, the good news of the message of Jesus to this remote area of the Congo where people had never, ever heard about Jesus. And when they arrived at this remote village, the um, chief of the tribe wouldn't let them live with them in the village. So they had to live about two kilometers out of the village. And their only contact was with 
a young boy who would come out once a week from the village and the chief would allow him to sell food to these missionaries who were gathered here. Severe flood ended up leading that young boy to faith in Jesus, but that was their only progress. They never had contact with anyone else from the village and eventually the other couple with them contracted malaria and left them. The floods were on their own and soon Severe, who was pregnant, also contracted malaria. She died several days after giving birth and her husband, David, dug a crude grave, buried her 27-year-old wife and went back to the main mission station. He gave his newborn baby girl to the missionaries there and said, I'm going back to Sweden. I've lost my wife. I obviously can't take care of this baby. God has ruined my life, he said. And he took his son and left. The missionaries adopted this baby daughter. Her name was Aggie. And they eventually brought her back to the United States where she grew up. One day, Aggie was checking her mailbox and for some unknown reason found a Swedish magazine. She was flipping through it and saw a photo that stopped her cold in this magazine. It was a picture of a crude grave with a white cross and on the cross was the name Severe Flood and she recognised her mother's name. She took the magazine to someone who could translate the story for her that accompanied the photo and Aggie sat and listened to the story about the work her mother had done as a missionary. Sometime later, she traveled to Sweden to find her father and it turned out that he had remarried, he'd had four more children and it basically ruined his life with alcohol. After an emotional meeting with her half-siblings, Aggie brought up the subject of seeing her father. They hesitated and then explained, you can talk to him, but he is very ill and you need to know that whenever he hears the name of God, he flies into a rage. Well, Aggie wasn't deterred by this. She walked into his tiny apartment, saw empty liquor bottles spread around everywhere and approached the now 73-year-old man who had deserted her years before. As soon as she said, Papa, he began to cry and apologise profusely. And she smiled and said, It's all right, Papa. God took care of me. And instantly, as she said those words, he stiffened and his tears stopped. And he said, God forgot all of us, he said. Turning his face to the wall, he said, our lives have been like this because of him. Papa, Aggie said, I've got a story to tell you and it's a true one. The little boy you and mama led to the Lord grew up to lead his entire village to faith in Jesus. That one seed that you planted just kept growing and growing. Today, more than 600 African people are serving the Lord because of you, because you were faithful to the call of God on your life. You didn't go to Africa in vain. Mama didn't die in vain, she said. Papa, Jesus loves you. He has never hated you. And David Flood was stunned as he heard these words. And by the end of the day, he came back to the God he had resented for so many decades. And within weeks, he walked through the doorway of death and into his eternal home with God in heaven. A powerful story, but what a reminder of the significance of this truth that when we sow in faith, we will reap a harvest multiplied many more times than we could ever imagine. And so Paul says to us, never become weary in doing good. Even when you can't see the results, even when you don't ever get to see the results, maybe in your lifetime. But I can tell you, Paul says, the harvest is coming guaranteed. The harvest 
is coming. And I want to say this to everyone listening in this morning. It is never too late to start sowing in faith, to start sowing in the Spirit. Even if you've spent your whole life sowing in the flesh, reaping the results of that, it's never too late to come to Jesus in repentance and faith. It's never too late to start sowing in the Spirit, sowing in faith, and you too can have a confidence that you will reap a harvest, a harvest of righteousness, a harvest of eternal life that will have an impact on generations to come. You can change your whole family tree. You can leave the greatest legacy you can ever leave for those you love. It's never too late. You can do that today. You can say yes to Jesus. You can make that decision to sow seed in faith, sowing in the Spirit today. And then Paul finishes this section in verse 10. He says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And I read a quote recently which said, true discipleship is not measured by how much you know, but it's measured by how much you love and how much that love flows out of you and into the lives of others. You may not have heard yet of the angels in yellow in Wuhan, China. They are a group of Christians at the epicenter of the coronavirus outbreak who braved the danger of contracting the disease as they shared the gospel and they helped victims in the middle of this pandemic. And what's interesting is that Wuhan was one of the first places recently where Christians were persecuted by government authorities for their faith in the recent uprising in persecutions. Now these same Christians are the ones whose sick people are seeing boldly showing in, other, in an otherwise showing love and care in an otherwise dark and desperate place. Praise God for stories like this. But do you know that this has been the case for followers of Jesus since right from the very beginning of the church? Eusebius was an ancient historian and he recorded the following from the early fourth century following a plague that afflicted the region of Caesar, Caesarea. He wrote these words. He said, all day long, Christians tended to countless numbers who had no one to care for them and distributed bread to them all. He writes, because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Isn't that incredible? In the same way, we want to respond with faith and hope and with the love of Christ to bless our community, to bless our city and beyond at this time. And so as I close this morning, I want to share with you some of the ways we as a church are seeking to do this during this season. will be saved. Romans 10 verse 13. This passage also expresses the great value that each and every person has to our God and that no one is beyond the reach of his saving power and life-transforming love. Well, God's plans are always so much bigger than we could ever imagine. And when we shared this vision, we had no idea that this vision would be expanded to not just be about everyone, but it would become everyone, everywhere. And we know that the church is not about the people of God. We are his church, spread everywhere across our community and city. And when God called us to reach everyone, we had no idea he would be enabling us to reach more people than ever before through online services, through sending us out, spread out right across our community to literally gather everywhere in every location. So our vision has just gotten a whole lot bigger as a church. It's now everyone, everywhere. 
And some of the plans that we are putting in place to reach out during this time include prayer. And Pastor Jody's already shared a couple of these, but through individual prayer and regular daily prayer meetings, we have a heart to pray in a greater measure than ever before for our community, for our city, for our nation, and for our world. And so we're gonna continue to pray regularly during this time. We're providing opportunities for people who need prayer in times of need to receive that prayer. We've set up an email address, prayer at bridgman.org.au. We have our online prayer card as well that can be filled in via our website. We're also gonna be joining with other churches across our, our nation at this time, across the world. We're gonna be praying in a number of prayer initi- initiatives. The first one is praying every day, 7 p.m., 1,900 hours, praying, taking some moments there to pray right through until Easter Sunday. And then the National Day of Prayer and Fasting next week as well. We're gonna be joining with many others, praying that God will help, that God will defeat this virus, that many will come to know his love and grace in this time. And then we're looking to launch our online prayer meetings, hopefully really soon, in fact, so people can, can zoom in, Skype in on the online platforms to join us as we pray. In terms of bridge care, the bridge care team and Pastor Jody are organising the helpful hampers that we've mentioned today as well. We want to share the love of Christ in a practical way with those vulnerable, those in need in our community. So join with us as we do that. We're going to have an online volunteer response form as well so that people who are fit and able and available, we can connect you up with others who might need help shopping or jobs around the garden and calling people on the phone who are isolated. We want to be caring for people well in this time. And then our streetlight team are continuing to reach out taking the necessary health precautions there, but they're gonna keep reaching out to those in need in our community. Our bridge care community teams as well are gonna keep operating during this time. Bridge Kids, we're gonna be doing our Bridge Kids live service on a Sunday, and there's some fantastic online content that our Bridge Kids team, Pastor Trish and the team are developing to encourage parents and kids and families to continue to engage in discipleship and uh, spiritually on their journey as well. Switch Youth, producing a podcast. Already our first one's been released. They're also looking to be doing our Friday night services live, live streaming as well. So we wanna keep connecting the youth together, keep encouraging them during this time to grow deeper in their walk with Jesus. And we are planning online outreach services already. We have our first online outreach series planned. Starts next Sunday night called Making Sense in Turbulent Times. And Pastor David will be sharing next Sunday night and following that, the next Sunday, Dan Patterson, who is an apologist, itinerant speaker with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. He'll be here with us as well, sharing. And he'll do a live Q&A, live stream Q&A following that as well. Our Easter online services as well. What a great outreach opportunity. They'll be online streamed live so you can invite friends. And this is the vision I want you to take hold of, church. I want you to take hold of the idea. Imagine if every single one of us shared the link to our live stream service with just one other person. Imagine the impact that could have across this community, across our city as we did that. So I wanna encourage you to take hold of this fantastic opportunity. For our connect groups, um, Pastor Dan's looking at ways our connect groups can gather together using online platforms like Skype and Zoom as well at this time. City Service, Pastor Matt and the team, they are launching a house church network that's gonna be kicking off as well on Friday the 3rd of April. Stay tuned for more information. And G'day Saturday, this is really exciting. They are starting online English classes after Easter using Zoom. There is now no physical limits to where we can reach out to people from other nations through these online English classes. Praise God, there are some incredible opportunities that God is opening up for us as we respond 
to his call, to this vision, everyone, everywhere. That is our prayer. Every person would have an opportunity to hear of his love and grace and experience the love and the kindness of God in this time. In this season of uncertainty and upheaval for our world, we give much thanks to God. We thank him for his promises. We thank him for his faithfulness. We thank him for the unshakable hope and assurance that is found in him. So together, church, let's sow in faith and in love because we know that the harvest is coming. The harvest is coming. So why don't you pray with me now? Let's join together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for the unshakable promises that we have in you. And Lord, we wanna pray now, great God. We pray that in this season, we would be counted among those who sow in the spirit, who sow in faith, sow in love. And Lord, thank you that as your word says, we will see a harvest, Lord. The harvest is coming. It's a harvest of life. It's a harvest of hope and healing. It's a harvest of love and joy and peace. And so we pray again for our community. We pray again for our world, great God. We ask, Lord, that you would step in, that you would have mercy, Lord God, that you would defeat this virus, that you would be with your people, we pray, that you would bless each and every person. And so we ask this now in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're gonna sing a song as we conclude our time together. This is a chance just to respond where you are in worship, giving thanks to God for his word, responding to how God has been speaking to you in your heart as well. So let's lift our voices wherever we are, sing and worship, give thanks to our great God. Oh God, that's the prayer of our heart this morning. As your people, Lord, we pray again, Lord, that hope will arise, great God. The fear will be overcome, great God. And that you, Lord Jesus, your name be lifted high. You who is the hope of the world, the hope in every situation, God. So we worship you, we thank you, and we praise you. I pray a blessing on each and every one tuning in, Lord, wherever they're linking in from. Bless them, I pray, this week. And I ask this in Jesus' Name, Amen. Well, God bless you. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. If you wanna reach out and connect with us, if God has been speaking to you, then we'd love to hear from you. You can email us, hello at bridgman.org.au. If you've got a prayer need, make sure you email us as well, prayer at bridgman.org.au or go to our website and fill in the, the, the uh, prayer card online there as well. But God bless you this week. We look forward to connecting with you again soon. God bless.